0: You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Okay, welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. It is Monday, March 14th. I appreciate you joining me. Stephen Simcox, your host, here with you. It's your daily TCU podcast in segment two. I'm going to talk with Eric Hughes about TCU baseball frogs sweep Army over the weekend and they get it done um, in impressive fashion. Well, actually, they didn't really, they weren't super impressive at times, but they got it done. We'll talk more about that later, though. The big news of the day: TCU basketball is going dancing. Everybody, get ready. The frogs are headed back to the tournament for the second time under Jamie Dixon, second time in his six years at the school. Um, so first off, let me just say congratulations to the guys. This is something that, as I know all of you um, listening who are passionate about TCU athletics, you understand this is not a typical thing at TCU. A lot of schools, Selection Sunday, it's always a yearly event. You pretty much know your team's going to get in. Um, That has not been the case at Fort Worth, in Fort Worth. Jamie Dixon had a tough year last year, but he turned things around in a big way. Um, That was a huge win over Texas in the NCAA in the Big 12 tournament. And I think, given that they're a nine seed uh, maybe that win over Texas was bigger than some of us thought. I don't think it would have necessarily knocked them out of the tournament had they lost that game, but maybe they're sitting there as a 10 or, or a bubble team um, going into selection Sunday. But as is, they're a nine seed in the South region. They're going to take on Seton Hall on Friday night, late Friday night, 9 p.m. Central Time. It's going to be on True TV, so figure out how to stream that. Dust off your True TV subscriptions if you would like, or if you. Uh, need to send a login or need to send somebody a login. Steal a login. Do so before Friday night rolls around. So, Seton Hall Pirates in the Big East. What do we know about them? By the way, Arizona is the one seed in the South Region, so presumably that's who TCU would play if they get a victory. But first, they have to beat Seton Hall. Um, this year, the team went 21 and 10 overall. Uh, they did have a couple common opponents. With TCU, they beat Texas early in the year in early December. 64 to 60 was the final score there. Uh, that was a home game for Seton Hall, and they got the victory. And then they had a couple matchups this year against Georgetown. Uh, they beat the Hoyas 57 to 53 in the Big East tournament, um, and in the regular season, beat Georgetown 73 to 68. So they beat the Hoyas twice. TCU beat Georgetown um, in a neutral site game. It was in DC uh, earlier this year. And then, of course, they beat, um, they went 1 and 2 against Texas. So those are the common opponents that the two teams have played. First thing that jumps off the page at me when I look at Seton Hall is they are big. They are just a big team. You look up and down the roster, you see 6'8, six, 6'9 six, um, frequently. They got some guys with some serious size, and it's led. Uh, The size, at least, is led by a 7-foot-2 center, um, Ike Abagu. He is a a big-time player. Uh, Well, the size is big time. He really only played, you know, he's started 26 games. Uh, He averaged about 21 minutes a game. So he's going to be a factor, you know, in short spurts, but he's really only averaging four points and four rebounds a game. So even though that size is there, he's not somebody that's played huge minutes. Um, but Alexis Yetna, he is uh, 6'8". You know, they got some other guys there, 6'8", 6'9". So rebounding is going to be a big deal and that's something that TCU has done well all year long. Typically, they're not at a big size disadvantage. Um, The other thing that concerns about this matchup when I'm talking about Seton Hall and their size is Ike, the big guy in the middle, a seven-footer. He's great at protecting the rim. Obviously, a good shot blocker with that frame. Um, And, Can Seton Hall at that size sort of pack the paint? Because we know this TCU team, they're not a great shooting team. Um, They're not going to get out there and kill you from deep. Now, if they catch fire and shoot a bunch of threes on Friday, that would be incredible. Would love that. But that's not been the case so far this year. So I don't really know sort of where it will end up. Um, But I I think that will be a game plan for Seton Hall. Make TCU make jump shots. Force them to – uh, you know, live that way. Do not allow Eddie Lampkin and Emmanuel Miller um, to get things going down low. Do not allow these guards like Mike Miles and Damian Ball to get things going off the bounce. i um, Hall averages, 72 points a game. Um, they only allow 66 points a game. They're not a great three-point shooting team either. Uh, they're sitting around 38% this season. So, I mean, these two teams are pretty similar. They both like to defend. They both like to play hard nose defense rebound the basketball, use that to you know try to get their offense going. Um, so I think it's going to be similar styles in this matchup. But I, here's what I have to say about TCU. I'm really proud of them for making the tournament. If they're going to make it to round two, to me it's, it comes down to tournaments about guard play, so can you limit turnovers, right? Can you protect the basketball? And then can Mike Miles be the type of superstar that we we want to see him be night in and night out like if he's able to facilitate his own offense if he's able to you know make good decisions penetrate into the paint hit jump shots um break people down off the dribble that's going to open up the offense for everybody else and i mean when mike plays well when he's at his best this team goes to a different level is it important that damian ball plays well yes is it important that eddie lampkin and Emmanuel Miller continue to give you great minutes down low? Of course. Um, Some of these other ancillary guys like Micah Peavy, Chuck O'Bannon, Xavier Cork, do they have to give you quality minutes? Yes. Would it be super helpful if Fran Farabello hit a couple more threes? He's shooting really well right now. Of course. But a tournament game, there's going to be a lot of attention on Mike. Can he... Make it happen. Can he make it happen? Can he play like he did against Texas Tech, against Kansas, where he looks like the best player on the floor? Because if he does that, I really like TCU's chances in round one. And you know what? After that, I don't know what's going to happen. Arizona's a really good team. I don't think there's one just dominant basketball team in college basketball this year. So could an upset happen? Yes. They haven't won a tournament game since 1987. Win on Friday. That's the goal. Anything else that happens after that would be incredible. It'd be amazing. But the goal for me, get out of the first round. Because it's been a long, long time since you've been able to do that. Last time you made the tournament, you did not play well against Syracuse. Play well against Seton Hall. Do it. I know the guys can. We'll have coverage of this all week long. When we come back, we're talking TCU baseball. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. Okay, it's Locked on Horn Frogs uh, segment two coming at you today. We're going to bring in Eric Hughes to the show. We're going to bring in Eric a little later than normal because – uh, we were talking about CCU basketball, it's taking on Seton Hall in the NCAA tournament on Friday, which will be fun. Um, but we're going to talk CCU baseball now. And I'm going to kind of uh, contradict myself here. Um, Erica, I, I don't know if you caught this, but there was a point in the basketball season this year where uh, CCU had escaped again and they beat Oklahoma. And I, I just saw a lot of negativity online. And in the podcast that night, I was like, listen, you guys need to stop complaining about winning ball games. Like, yeah, just, yeah. you just at the end of the year they, they don't ask you how you did it. They just they look at how many you won, and you know uh-huh. it's, it's hard to win games. Um, so let me first say that TCU baseball swept Army this weekend. They got Man. it done. They won got it done. They got it done. They won two games on Saturday. <laughs> Luke Boyer's walk off home run uh, give them a six four win in game one. In game two, Elijah Nunez forced a walk-off walk where they won uh, 6-5. to And then today, a pretty clean game. I think the final score is 5-2, to but um, after Army had an early lead, they sort of were able to right the ship and and pitched really well after the first inning. But I just – I don't know, Eric. I really felt like coming off a tough road trip in Kentucky, they would come out there at home – um, it's worth mentioning. Army has a bad record. They were in a regional last year, and they played pretty well in Lubbock against Texas Tech uh, last season. So, like, it's a solid ball club, but I just felt like they would have a lot of energy. It's the first home weekend series of the year, and I mean, they won the games, but it was they were down 5-1 in the eighth uh, Saturday yeah. night. I mean, it, it was hard. So, what uh-huh. am, I, am I wrong in being concerned about kind of where this team is? right now as they get ready for conference play. No, I don't
0: think you're wrong. It it was definitely a lackadaisical weekend. Like that's that was the vibe that I got, honestly. Just down for a lot of the weekend, to be honest. I mean they were down pretty much the whole game in the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday. Um came back all the way in the ninth. Um and That that one definitely felt like okay this is this is going to be a loss here. Um, Saturday same exact thing down the whole game, come back in the ninth again. Um, And so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a clean dominant weekend that we were used to seeing from TCU at a in a home series um, to where you got a team that's in town that you feel confident in again. You feel like you got a better squad. And you're kind of living on the edge, kind of squeaking it out. And so the starting pitching was not very impressive. Um, I know both of us are a little bit concerned about that just coming off of the last couple of weeks. And so, um, yeah, I think the the top of the order, kind of the big boys are taking care of business, and um, which is nice to see, but there are definitely some concerns.
1: I'm talking about the starting pitching, so they switched things up a little bit. Um, Riley Cornelio actually got the first start on Saturday, and then Brett Walker on game two, and then in, on Sunday's game today, Austin Crowe pitched, and um, you know, Riley battled, I think he ended up giving up four runs, uh, Brett Walker got pitched up, it was his worst start of the season, and Austin Crowe, he struggled through five innings, but he got it done, like he was able to, to battle, and um, get things going after that, that first inning. Uh, but I guess, I guess two questions here. First off, it looks like to me, Army had a, a game plan of they were, they were pretty aggressive, like early in counts. I mean, it just felt like they were trying to jump on, um, especially with Brett Walker, like they were trying to jump on some early strikes uh, and and they had some success with that. But one, I mean, just your sort of assessment of how those guys perform this weekend. And then number two, I mean, I would be surprised if they turned around and threw Austin on Friday against Baylor now that he pitched Sunday. So is this sort of how they're going to order it moving forward? Or do you feel like that's to be determined? What was your insight on how they sort of shook things up with the rotation this week?
0: Yeah, as far as the rotation goes, I think we're all asking that question. I I mean, I don't think nobody really knew that this was coming, at least to my knowledge. It wasn't a a thing that was announced. And so – um, seeing Riley on Saturday, the first game, I, I kind of expected, okay, maybe coach just doesn't want him, th- doesn't want Austin throwing in that first game, um, you know, wants him going in the evening, um, but so it was just with the weekend, the scheduling and everything, it was kind of funky and to begin with, so, but to be honest, I'm really not sure. I think I, I kind of, I feel like Riley actually pitched a little bit better than his line ended up um, he, he hurt himself because he had two errors on pickoffs, which led to two runs. Um, and so, you know, those are some on and runs, but those are on him uh, when it comes down to it. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him on Friday night, you know, I think Starless is just trying to get these guys to get in a com- to figure out a comfortable spot I mean I, I don't think that Austin is it's a thing to where the spotlight is too big or anything like that but he just hasn't just didn't pitch well the weekend before and is uh, just trying to find find his groove and so you know I I, I couldn't tell you if he's gonna throw Friday but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they slot him in there on Saturday night and throw Riley on Friday and um, yeah Brett Walker he just didn't didn't really have his best stuff on Sunday. I'm not necessarily super worried. I think he's just kind of one of those games. And so I expect him to, to bounce back here soon.
1: Yeah, and Krobe, we didn't get to talk last week, but if anybody didn't know, he really struggled against Kentucky. I think he made it through two innings, um, gave up five runs. He didn't have his best stuff. But he pitched, like, almost 100 pitches today. So it doesn't seem like a health issue. Like, I mean, he seems like no. he's ready to go. They just, for whatever reason – um gave him some time to kind of I guess get his mind right before he start today on Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah. And, it, and the other thing
0: for today, he, he actually he did pretty well in my opinion. He had some gave up three hits in the first, but they're all singles that were ground balls that just found their way through. Um and so and then he kind of settled down after that. And so I think it was an encouraging, overall encouraging. He only finished with five innings. You'd like to see him go a little bit deeper, but um overall i think he was he he it was a it was a bounce back that you were that you would like to see he didn't uh it's not something to where he came out and uh just totally didn't have it again so that's an encouraging sign uh, that he's at least trending upwards
1: it is and i think it was either in the fourth or the fifth like army got a couple guys on and there was either nobody out or one out and he was able to sort of work his way out of the jam and it, that was just a moment where hasn't really succeeded much this year. Like, pitchers have had trouble, you know, um, shutting that down and not allowing big innings, and he was able to do that today. So, uh, yeah, yep. I think you're right. There was a lot of encouraging things from his start. Um, some other positives, Luke Boyer's had a really good weekend. Uh, they moved him down in the lineup, that seven hole. Um, I heard he told Jamie Plunkett from Frogs today that he felt less pressure hitting at the bottom of the order, which, I mean, hey, if it works, it works, but – uh, he hit a bomb on Saturday in that game one that was a walk off winner. Um, his approach to the plate came really good. Eric, he just he seemed a lot more comfortable uh hitting a little further down the order this weekend than in that two-hole where he's been most of the season.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, he looked good. I mean, the you mentioned the big one uh Friday or excuse me, Saturday, the first game, uh that walk-off. I mean, it was a absolute laser line shot to left field. And so just getting that under your belt just gets the good vibes going again, gets you mentally back in. And so had a good approach to the plate. Uh, I believe he only had one, one strikeout this weekend. That's been something that he's been kind of striking out a lot to start the season. And so uh, the fact that uh, through all three games, he only had one strikeout um, is pretty big in my opinion. And so, yeah, it was good to see him uh, just to get back to where we know, uh, that he can be, and just showing some showing some pop is encouraging. Last year, I believe he only had one home run on the season, and so uh, yeah, just showing some pop there, uh, just towards the bottom of the order is uh, definitely something that the frogs are gonna gonna be needing.
1: Another good sign. Now the bullpen was really good all weekend long. I mean, Saturday in Game Two it was a five-one game, and they're able to keep it five to one, and at least keep TCU in it for them to come back. Um, in game one, they were able to, you know, keep it a 4-3 game, and then Luke Savage looks really good today. Uh, Eric, I don't know what you saw from him, but he seemed really sharp and um, pretty decisive, and that's a welcome fight, because I know that's somebody that Kirk Sirlews has really leaned on a lot. Like, he seems to want Luke to be one of those middle-inning guys that he can count on.
0: Yeah, he's, he's a key guy, in my opinion. He, You've got your backing guys that you know. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You've got your Marcelo Perez river riding those kind of guys at the back end where you know you can turn to them but you've you're trying to he's trying to figure out who who can be trust here in the middle innings in the sixth sixth you know seventh inning that sort of deal and Luke looked really good today um he yeah he just he worked quickly uh he wasn't trying to overpower or just hit every single spot to where um he's trying too hard to hit the corners but he just trusted his stuff and uh, was able to to throw three scoreless and I believe only threw about thirty pitches and so he was very efficient. Uh, another shout out I want to give is on Friday, Cohen Feaser. He threw four innings, um, looked really good as well coming in after Riley was finished. And so uh, it's it's encouraging to see some of those guys um, start to figure it out. And so um, yeah, absolutely, they they're, they're going to need need these guys to step up and they were able to today and. Um, and, yeah, it was they – were, they were needed for sure uh, with the starters not going super deep this weekend. So, it was good to see those guys uh, coming in and getting things done.
1: Yeah, this lineup has been productive. Uh, you said it's the start, top of the lineup especially. David Bishop is like an RBI machine. He continues to just um, get big hits. Braden Taylor and Elijah Nunez looking good this weekend. I did want to focus on the bottom of that lineup, though. Um, you know, Logan Maxwell has struggled – uh Reed Spinrath, uh, uh DH has, has had some moments, but overall has had a tough time at the plate. Um, it seems like those guys are really just if they can't work a walk, it's just kind of slow going. I know Logan did get a base hit this weekend, but um, you know, I'm, I'm just curious where, where they go. And then another guy I wanted to ask about, Eric, I don't know if you have any insight here, but um, what's kind of the, the deal with Porter Brown? I know he's been platooning a little bit, but man, he was so red hot at the end of last season. I I thought for sure he would be somebody that would be pretty consistent in this lineup and it just hasn't really materialized yet.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, he, I think Sarlos has been trying to figure out the whole, the last two spots in the order pretty much all season. Um, You've got your your left fielder essentially and your DH that he's, I mean, he's just been shuffling through guys. And I think Porter Brown was a guy that we penciled in at the beginning of the year that, okay, Porter is going to be your left fielder. Um, He's going to hit. You know, seventh or eighth, maybe even first or second on some some weekends, and uh, you'll be able to just to see him produce. But he just hasn't hit. I mean, he's hitting. I'm looking at his stats right now. He's hitting 179 on the season. Um, not really getting on base a ton either. Uh, doesn't have a ton of walks, and so his he doesn't have a strong arm. And so if you you're not really leaning on him, you're not going to put him in the lineup just. As a defensive guy, and so if he's not hitting, he's not going to be in the lineup, and so unfortunately, that's been the case. And so um, Salus has is, has is kind of shuffled through some guys. You mentioned um, throwing in uh, uh, who was it this weekend? We had uh, Spinrath. He's he's tossed him in there a little bit. He hasn't really been able to produce much. Logan Maxwell. Is who I was trying to think of. Um, he's gotten a few walks here and there, but. He he hasn't hit the ball extremely well either, and so, yeah, I think he's just trying to figure out how how to fill out that into the lineup, and it hasn't been hasn't been great so far, um, and so, I think he's just gonna keep kind of shuffling through until until somebody catches fire, and we'll see if anybody's able to claim that job.
1: We will see. Uh, yeah, you baseball this week. Um, they start conference play next weekend. Before that, they'll take on. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, that game is also in Fort Worth. And they head down to Waco for a three-game set with Baylor starting Friday night. Baylor has also been a hard team to figure out. Um, they took two out of three from Columbia this weekend, had to win an extra innings today. Uh, I will tell you that Tyler Thomas, who's going to get the start on Friday night, is really good. And he's been really good all year long. So that's going to be a test for TCU. So we'll see how they do. But, Eric, as always, man, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk some more TC baseball next week.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you,
1: Stevens. All right. That'll do it for Lockdown Horn Frogs today. Uh again, this is your only daily CCU podcast. Have a good one, guys.